Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics, which are going to educate and empower others. And give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome back, listeners. Hi, everyone. January. It's still going. It's like, is it still January? Seriously, it's like six weeks. I'm telling you, it's like the longest ever. And it's just like, okay, 2023, I see you. Okay, what do you want? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. So we're getting into the swing of things. Uh-huh. We're getting more phone calls. I think the holiday kind of honeymoon phase coming back from the holidays has, has definitely worn off for a lot of our yeah. clients. And we're seeing kind of a rise again of this anxious kiddo, right, Amanda? Yeah. Well, I feel like we used to have semesters ending right before the holiday break. And so the rush was getting up to that. But then Mm -hmm. kids had a real break. They got to feel like during the holidays, they could relax after the new year really was a fresh start. But nowadays, things are getting pushed around so much that the semester doesn't end until a few weeks after winter break. So you're, you're not having that break during winter break. And like, I, I feel like it's having an impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why we are so excited with our guest today. Listener or listener guest, can you please <laughs> say hello and introduce yourself to our listeners? Well, hello, mamas and papas, and I'm so excited to be here. My name is Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge, and I am on a mission to change the way we view and treat children's mental health and showing parents that it's going to be okay when we use science-backed solutions that are natural. And, you know, I know everyone's really having a hard time, especially middle of the school year, Mm -hmm. the dead of winter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're getting comments from, you know, the school about your kid is behind in this and maybe not getting along and it's hard. And so, you know, this is a time when we all feel this sort of impetus to kind of really do something different. And so this is a conversation about what can you do with your kid who's struggling, no matter what the source is. And that is why we are so excited to have you on, Dr. Roseanne, because I think as parents, you can easily yourself get overwhelmed with the amount of information there, with the anxiousness of your child, right? That is unsettling for a parent. You don't want to see your child sad, mad. You know, you do want to see them happy, but like these other feelings, they're hard to deal with. When you see a parent or a kiddo come in, what are some of the first things you kind of ask them about? And, and you know, I'm Vicki and Amanda, it doesn't really matter if they're coming to my Facebook group or direct messaging me as social or, you know, I work with people in person and virtually all over the world. It doesn't matter where they're coming from. They all have the same thing. And I think there's a sort of consciousness, as you said, of overwhelm of parents Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. kids. And what are the top issues? I think probably the number one issue that brings people to the table is their kid not doing well in school. And typically there's focus and learning problems. 
I would also say there's a lot of kids who struggle with anxiety and mood problems. And Mm -hmm. how does that impact things? Like, so when a kid isn't doing well in school, the school is coming to the parents offering, right? But a lot of times kids are holding it together in school in some way, shape or form, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're a hot mess at home. Yes. Yes. Yep. They're holding it all together. I think- I mean, I've had these conversations with many families and I recently did with a family because what the team is reporting is very different than what the parents are reporting. And the thing that strikes me the most is that we get some of these teams who are educators and some of them psychologists who I feel like don't get that. They just, their response is, well, it's a different environment. And it's like, why aren't we understanding that the reason they're blowing up at home is because They held it together so Mm -hmm. tight at school because something else is going on. How do we not understand that? And I'd say more often than not, this is the one topic that is most misunderstood Mm -hmm. by school teams out of everything is mental health, anxiety, withdrawal, depression. And, you know, we're really trying to get to the root of it. Like, how do we better support kids in school? And, And does it come from educating the educators on this. Well, isn't it shocking that the school seems so uneducated about this? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I've been doing this for 30 years. You know, I've been, you know, I'm a certified school psychologist. I've done neuropsych testing. You know, I don't do that now. So don't contact me, please. (laughs) Every time I do it, somebody contacts me. Um, And so I've been on both sides, right? And a lot of people would hire me. My last case is working its way through federal court still. And you're going to lose that district. I'm just telling you. But, you know, why is it so hard to understand that people who struggle in the inside Mm -hmm. can hold it together? Right. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like it's a broken leg and everybody knows you have a broken leg, you know, and, you know, with so much, you know, the rates of every clinical condition plus suicide rates, such dramatic increase in not just clinical issues, but very deeply layered clinical issues, kids with, you know, shopping cart diagnoses. So first of all, let me just say to parents, you know, if your kid is struggling at home, that is a reflection very clearly. Your kid's language is their behavior of every age. Little kids, to young adults. It's their behavior, right? And so we have to be, what I always say, a parent detective. What is driving that, right? So when you have a kid with a learning disability, I'm a mom of a child with dyslexia. My older son has Lyme disease. And so I get it. Please know I get it. And from a mom and a professional perspective, and boy, have I seen some crazy things in schools and meetings. And I've also seen beautiful things too, you know? Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to win in a school and that team that comes together and offers true support around a child and their family is when the magic really happens. And data becomes your friend. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that because, right. So it's all in the data people. Yes. Um, Yes. That's my love language and all things I do, (laughs) but I, you know, won a lot of cases by data and it's not always the kind of data you think about, but let's look at number one, your child is not acting like this on purpose and you need to educate people around you about that. Kids hold it together. This is not rocket science. Like you just said, 
They hold it together. How and why? One, school provides a lot of structure. Two, kids want to do well. There is not a kid who doesn't want to do well, even if they're telling you, you know, swearing at you and kicking holes in the wall or school refusing. They want to do well. They've shut down at that point. Okay, so and two, you can be a dyslexic. You can have raging. You can have suicidal thoughts. You can have ADHD. You can have a million things and do well in school. So the grades don't define mental health. And I think that's the part that I see. Forget about schools, Mm. parents. Everybody starts to think that's the benchmark of mental health. And we have to change that conversation and educate people. I think the hard part is, you know, we're in this place where parents are educating school people. I know. I know. I know. And they have their own job. Like yeah. the parent outside of all of this, right? Yeah, yeah. It, right. It's, it's so hard. Well, and you know, many school systems in the United States, you know, you know, CEs are no longer required by you know by schools, and so that means those are continuing education credits. So mm-hmm. you know, schools are not getting the kind of education that even I got, you know. But, you know, we have to do a better job of understanding child development. We certainly need to do a way better job of mental health as a society. Right. Um, You know, that's a big part of my work of trying to push it out, get the message out there that you have to actually take action on what you see. Right. So when you are concerned about your kid, I mean, of course, when it's learning involved, you do have to try to partner with a school. And you do have to come back to them and say, hey, listen, you know, the true story. One of my good friends, Jen, called me a couple of weeks ago and was like, oh, my God, we're at the table and he's bawling his eyes out and he cannot do his work. And I'm like, what's going on? Let's back it up. You know, is the work too hard? Has this been going on long term? All these things. Yeah. And she was like, oh, it's fifth grade. So in their school, the fifth grade is like a middle school and they start doing Mm -hmm. things with the middle schoolers and they have to start their day and be completely prepared physically for the whole day. They have to have all their things prepared and ready and have all their action items at the start of the day. And I'm like, wait a second, fifth graders are not necessarily developmentally ready for that. Right. right? And how did they prepare them for that? So we backed it up and this is a private school. So I said, oh, do you know about a building plan? She's like, what's a building plan? And I'm like, well, I'm not sure if your school takes federal monies and you're going to get a 504, but you can have a building plan. And I told her all the things to ask for and the the questions to ask and to be continued. Let's see what happens. They've got, I think they had a meeting yesterday, so I haven't heard what happened, but we had a look at what was going on. Was there a pattern, you know, and in this case, The problem was at a minimum, they were asking him to do something developmentally inappropriate, right? Right. And then I said, where's the data? Like, what are his test scores? What are these? What are that? So you want to have data questions and that's really, really important, right? And certainly please know that when you know there's a problem, yes, your school is your partner, but you also have a responsibility too that you can do things on the outside, whether that's in-home, DYI it, as I like to call it, which we should all be DYIing and, and doing things to better our own lives as parents, but also our kids' lives. But yep. maybe you need formal help. Maybe you need an yeah, advocate. Right. Maybe right. you need a lawyer. Right. Maybe you need a psychologist. So yeah. you can't put everything on the school and you know, you have to 
try as much to say, yes, you know, when you're in a discord or disagreement about the path of your child, you have to say, wow, this hurts. Right. And I can't believe how ignorant these people are. True conversation with Meredith on staff today of her dyslexic children. Mm, And mm. I said, let's just validate that. And then I want you to, I said, you're way smarter than the average bear. Mm -hmm. Let's play this like a chess game. Okay. So, and I was like, unfortunately, that's what it is. And you now know that's what they're doing and you Mm -hmm. can meet them where they're at. Right. I don't mean to go into all that, but sometimes what I find when IEPs and 504s are involved, we get Mm -hmm. so caught up in the IEP and the 504, which are very important. We forget the needs, the emotional needs of the child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. just yeah. anybody in that room, right? Like yeah. it, right. The, impact, the impact of the fighting, the battling, the, you know, we have some families that are just such great zealous advocates, but then they get lost in the paperwork of, well, this one goal, this one based on this one data. And it's like, let's look at the bigger. Sometimes we need to look at the bigger picture because definitely struggling or on the flip side, when we've done so much good work to get the child on track and they're starting to be super successful and they're back on track and the family is still stuck in, well, they didn't meet this one goal without being like, no, we need to be patting this kid on the back and praising them and praising the team that this child is doing so much better. Yeah. There's still work to be done, but we need to stop being so, so much blinders on. And you know what's so important? So a lot of times, you know, in our um, we have a program it's called Brain Behavior Reset. And, it, and what we do is we calm the brain and we teach skills. And the first lesson is to not think getting to the summit is the only success mm. that we have to celebrate those base camps. And I think, you know, the magic is in the micro, like when you start seeing those micro successes really, really important. It doesn't mean a parent like, you know, in the conversation today, you know, what are they arguing for? Of course, it's a dyslexic, right? We're arguing for proper reading instruction. So, you know, what are the things along the way that are going to support this child? Now, this is where their parent is very concerned about their child's mental health and realizes that the program is not supporting the mental health because they're not getting any reading instruction at all, Mm -hmm. you know, so, but we have to stop and look and say each point along the way and motions towards what our goal is, that summit is really, Mm -hmm. really important. Yeah. Because we're modeling for the kids too. If we aren't showing them, you know, a good exercise of emotional regulation, Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. are we going to say, you know, do what I say, not what I do. No, we really have to be modeling for them. And hundred percent. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, I call it share the calm, right? Yes. So, yes. you know, you can look at it as a negative, but it's a reality and it's a positive. The number one determinant of a child's mental health, future mental health is a mother's maternal mental health. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. instead of being overwhelmed by that, you have to say, wow, I have an opportunity. And I, mm-hmm. I work with a lot of women that have trauma backgrounds and <laughs> many of us, pretty much everybody's had a traumatic experience. And some of them are really big traumas. We call them big T's. And, you know, we have an opportunity to support our child's mental health. And when Mm -hmm. we are calm, not perfect, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but showing our children how to take care of ourselves, it becomes so innate to them. 
it becomes, you know, a lot of times parents come to me and they're like, but they're not doing this and they won't do their neurofeedback and they won't do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait a second. I hear yeah. you're anxious. What yeah. are you doing for yourself? I don't have time for that. I'm like, mm-hmm. nope, not going to fly here. Not going to fly with Dr. Rowe yeah. because we're <laughs> going to make you do it. Right. So, and it's so important in so many ways. And, you know, it is very distressing when your child is struggling, you yeah. know, emotionally, behaviorally, mm-hmm. academically, socially. I mean, my gosh, of course it is. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it's just so hard to find the right help. Right. I think that's yeah. a right. big part of it, whether it's private or school, <laughs> you know, it becomes really challenging to find those providers that really get kids. Right. You know? right. Right. Or even just like, what's the first step? I mean, families mm-hmm. might be thinking, sitting here like, oh my gosh, I, you know, things aren't going well, but like, you know, maybe they're not at a disaster level yet, or maybe yeah. they are. And, you know, it's that first hurdle of like, where do I even begin? Yeah. Great question. And I want to tell you something that don't wait for the disaster. Yeah. So, you know, 80% of people who come out to me are in a full on crisis and we can't make sense out of things a lot of the time until we look back, right? Steve Jobs always says we can only connect the dots looking backwards. And I mm-hmm. get that. But a lot of times the signs are pretty clear and we ignore things because maybe our kid is doing pretty good in school Mm -hmm. or they have friends, but you're like, wait a second. You know, I see this, this, and this. So number one, don't ignore the signs. Okay. And you know, number two, what you mentioned is really role modeling mental health. But if you think your child has an issue, don't wait. 50% of people with a diagnosed clinical issue do not receive mental health help period. And it takes 11 years from the first sign of a mental health problem before somebody gets proper help on average. 11 years. Yeah, that's according to NAMI 2019. I know that sounds surprising, but I'm not surprised by that. (laughs) So, you know, a lot of times people come to me and I don't want everybody to say coulda, woulda, shoulda, because that's what everybody does when they come in the door. And I'm like, wait a second, you're here. So, you know, you've got to take action. What does that look like for you? So, you know, first of all, I always believe that you should educate yourself. So, you know, find a podcast. I got my podcast will be coming out. It's going to be okay. I have a Facebook group, natural parenting, whatever it is, get a book, get books, you know, do things to educate yourself about that clinical issue. And it's not so hard anymore. And there's lots of good information. So number one, number two, find a provider that could help you. Right. So, you know, if you are concerned about your child's mental health, you're going to want to go to a child mental health expert. You're not going to want to go to anybody else. Right. And I always say that it all starts with you. So don't farm out your kids' problems and think, oh, yeah, I'm just going to give a pill and all of a sudden their ADD is going to go away. That's not the way it works. They need skills. Right. Well, and unfortunately, absolutely. we do get a lot of schools who are still in that mindset. And totally. I, mean, I just had a new client mm-hmm. come to me and I'm reading through all these paperwork and the school put in the paperwork 
we advise parents to go to a doctor to get <laughs> medicated. Like, mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like, why in this day and age is that like, and these are the people that school parents mostly trust, right? Their school. And they're yeah. saying that this is the only option is medication when we know it's not. We and not. maybe it's part of it because some people that's the right path, right? Some people yeah. it's not, some people it is, but it's not always like, it's not the only thing. And it's not the hundred percent of the answer. And all I want to say is that I don't believe medication should ever be the first answer. Yeah. Right. Right. So, but that's what it feels like when you have district people putting that in the notes, right? It doesn't feel like, Hey, this is one of several things that we've talked about. Just throwing it out there. It feels like you need to be medicating your child. And if you're not, you're a bad parent. That's what it feels like to parents. And that's, heartbreaking 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 and totally unethical right and right you know and it's people being lazy like it's teachers it's doctors it's mental health providers being lazy because you know 30 years ago ladies when i had very complex cases i knew medication and talk therapy wasn't working what did Mm. i do Mm. i literally went to the microfiche. Wow. And I researched and Mm -hmm. it didn't take me very long to find out there were actually a ton of well-researched treatments and that would help calm the brain, help kids be more attentive, you know, uh, reduce depression and all these other things. And that is the only thing I ever did, you know, so for me, I have some of the most complex cases. I mean, you're talking people, you know, in a psych hospital, flying out, coming to me. Now, I'm not saying everybody should come out to me and you have to be accepted into our program because I want to make sure I can help you and you're, we're in alignment, right? And also, I only work with very nice people. I mean, the mo- parents. The parents have to be yeah. super nice. So I don't deal with any demanding, <laughs> nasty people. FYI, yeah, yeah, you get yeah, kicked yeah. out. I don't care what the problem is. I care about the attitude to the problem. But how could it be that very, it's rare that my clients go on medication, yet my cases are people that have had dozens of treatment failures. Yeah, You're going to the science. The science shows us, right. and we do a lot of deep parent education. Not because parents are dumb. We are not trained to have a kid who's, you right. know, there's depressed no yep, there's or all no these book. others, right? Yep. We're not, there's not no trained book. to have a kid in period, right? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> we're not. One who's struggling. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. And then when we go to those people that we think should give us the answers, mm-hmm. you know, so I, you know, always try to say, oh, OK, you know, it's you know, it's a school personnel, whatever. I was a school personnel. I mm-hmm. was a private person. Mm-hmm. It's this is a day and age. If I could find it on microfiche, there's something called Google. OK, yeah. right, right. <laughs> and right. You, you can figure things out. And what's happening is in all these years, the groundswell is the awakening of the parents. The parents mm-hmm. are like, OK, yeah. mm-hmm. I tried mm-hmm. seven medications. Mm-hmm. I tried this talk therapy. And don't get me wrong. I believe very much in talk therapy. You have to have a regulated brain to do cognitive behavior. There you work. go. There you go. And so if it's not regulated, they don't have the ability in their brain to process that information and take action on it. They just science. 
So that's why we get the kind of results we do because we regulate the brain, right? And so through a variety of different tools, science-backed tools. So, you know, that's really important is calming that nervous system. So, you know, what are ways parents could hear this and be like, okay, Roseanne, how do I do that? Well, you could start with truly very simple things like uh, diaphragmatic breathing, which is belly breathing. You could do what's called a four, seven, eight breath. You're, you're breathing in for four, you're holding for seven, and then you're exhaling long for eight. You're wanting to do that three rounds at a time. So one, two, three. I don't care if you're doing it 20 times a day. You got to get your nervous system down. Other Mm -hmm. things like meditation Mm -hmm. or prayer Mm -hmm. or yoga, these are all proven to calm the brain down. And and if you're really doing it right, you're doing it with your kids. I don't care if you get your rolls or eyes at you. Yeah, yeah. And the earlier you start, the better, but it's Mm -hmm. never too late. I don't Mm -hmm. care what anybody says. Yep, I agree. Um, I agree. It's never too late. Yeah, never too late. You know, I have the privilege every once in a while, like I have an elderly person coming to me right now. I mostly focus on young adults and younger, you know, all the way to very little, little kids. But, you know, when I have an elderly person and comes in, I think, wow, what amazing spirit to say, I value myself enough to take care of this, you know? Absolutely. And not, I know everything because nobody does, you know, and you need to be wary of those people that say, here's this, you know, magic pill and everything's going to be okay. Like that comes with the work. And I think that what is finally kind of breaking through mainstream is that the brain is plastic. It can change. You can be, you know, 80 years old, right? And you can change the neurons in your brain. And that's where meditation and, you know, even just calming your nervous system comes in to play. And that's, you know, what you have kind of outlined, right? For parents. And it seems easy, but it's not. You got to put the work work. in. Yes. You got to put it in work. Yeah. It's like that treadmill. I always say it's like the treadmill in your basement. I got my butt on it this morning at 6 a.m. Okay. I'm not saying it was easy, Yeah, but I did it. So the brain can only be calmed, right? A lot of people Mm -hmm. like to come to me because the tools I use are are working on the subconscious brain. So Mm -hmm. it's easier, right? You don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. But once you make the shift, you still have to work, right? Right, right, And I don't have a magic wand. I do have a magic wand on my desk, literally, (laughs) but I pull it out for demonstration purposes to say I don't have it and really the parent is the magic wand. Yeah. And sometimes some kids are easier. I have two very different kids. And, you know, one kid is like, you know, he would listen to me talk to the older one who has the lime and pans and he just absorbed it. And then he would, you know, five and a half years younger than his brother, like he could barely speak and he'd be coaching his older brother on, you mm-hmm. know, meditation and stuff like that. And, you know, some kids are just that way and other kids, you know, They need more from us. And it doesn't mean they're not anything but amazing. And it doesn't mean you're a bad parent. It just means they need more learning. That's it, you know? And it's just hard. It's just much harder for today, you know? We all, you know, you girls probably grew up in the 90s. You know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s. And, you know, I'm very grateful all my activities were not charted. I know it's oh, awful. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. And there's a lot of pressure and mm-hmm. I don't care what street you live in, the size of your house, what car you drive, where you send your kids, mm-hmm. your kids have tremendous stress on them and you need to do something seven days a week to counter yes. that stress. End mm-hmm. of story. And you can mm-hmm. do it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Rowe, we could talk to you all day (laughs) and we want to be mindful of your time. If people wanted to reach out to you, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah. The two best ways to get a hold of me and the one way to get to both is just going to my website, www.drrosean.com. So D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N.com. Or you can go to Facebook and search Natural Parenting Solutions Facebook group. And that's where I am at and creating a community and really having access to me and trying to guide parents to solutions because I created it because this is hard times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you need proper guidance, but you also got to do the work. So thank you mm-hmm. for saying that. But mm-hmm. I just want to empower people with knowledge and hope yeah. that even if you feel exhausted, mm-hmm. you have the ability to do this. You just got to put one foot in front of the other and take a small action. Absolutely. Make that your New Year's resolution if you haven't already come up with one. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you can start a resolution whenever. It doesn't matter if it's yep. February 1st or if it's June 1st. Just, you know, put that foot in front of the other. If you guys have any questions, please reach out to Dr. Rowe. And if you have anything for us, please let us know. We hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.